Okay, it's nice to uh, see you all. Beautiful day, huh? Beautiful day. Um, I thought it was all very fitting uh, for what I want to share today. It kind of, everything just confirms, doesn't it? When God's around, it just just happens. It's a beautiful thing. Um, So, I want us to go to Luke 15, because that's where we're going to be first. I want to share a little bit of what I shared um, at Dimensions a little while ago. Uh, Just about the giving of honour and how not to throw away your future. That's the, if you wanted a title, that's it. The giving of honour and how not to throw away your future. Okay? If you don't want to exit your future all too quickly, you have to learn how to give honour. It's a beautiful, beautiful word, this, so you'll enjoy it. Um, Giving honour is important. Um, Peter says this, when he's talking about husbands and wives, he says it's important to give honour to your wife. By the way, Shasti is here today, I don't know if you've seen her, but she is here. Nice to see Shasti. Very nice to have Shasti. Also, our daughter Maria is here, somewhere in there, with Aurora. So it's very nice to have the family around. Praise God. And next uh, Friday, just for the envy of all the guys, no, it's not envy. I'm, I'm down to Silverstone with Joshua next, next weekend. In the pit lane. Woo! Can't wait. Anyway, there we go. Okay, so Peter said that it's very important to give honour. He said, husbands, make sure that you give honour to your wives. Um, and, and the word give, aponina, means to assign, to designate, to allocate, to intentionally give something to someone. So it's an intention. So when Peter was saying, he, he said it's an intention to give honour to someone. Uh, in that case of Peter, he was giving honour to his wife. Um, but honour, this word timio, it, it carries the idea that something is so valuable that it's held as a precious prize, it's cherished and it's treasured and very dear. So this is something that is flowing from the heart um, But there's an intention, a purpose in the mind to make sure that that which flows from the heart is given to someone. So, of course, when we give honour to God, we're giving something that's coming from our heart and it's intentional, it's purposeful. And, of course, in the Old Testament, when people gave honour, it was hugely material. It was material things in which which way they gave honour. So if a guest came, they would honour them by looking after them, being hospitable to them, being generous with them, they'd they'd look after them in a beautiful way, honour coming from the heart. Um, I think over the years I've seen that the quickest way to exit your future is to dishonour the people that have helped you to become and get to the place that you are. Because you are... Of course, God is behind all that. Well, of course, we, we, we know all that. You, you know that. But a lot of people have been involved in your life. 
A lot of people have been involved in giving into your life. It could be your teachers, your mum and dad, which is why it says honour your father and mother. And we'll come to that in a moment. But there's many people involved in your life whom God has put there. You understand me? That when we say, it, well, it's Jesus and it's the Father, well, what we really mean is that Jesus and the Father surrounded us with people who actually love us and care for us and support us and look after us. He's, and, and just think about this. The head who we give honour to is not separate from his body. You understand me? The head is not separate from his body. I'm not a head talking to you. I, I'm this whole person. So Jesus is the head of the body. And the way that he ministers to us is through the body, often. So, of course, God receives honour when we honour one another. Do you know that you are sharing with honour? Is it not? Is it not? There it is. It is now. Thank you, Simon. It's still working, is it? Okay. So you were crowned with glory and honour. Just not because you've done anything, just because you are. Look at someone and say, I love your crown. You were crowned. You are crowned. I'm liking your crown, Dave. You were crowned. God, God honours you because he loves you. He cares for you. Not because of anything that you've done. Um... <clears throat> Honour decides who desires you. Honour decides who accepts you and rewards you. When someone honours you, these are things that happen. This is what I've seen. Honour takes you further than genius or academia. It takes you further than professionalism. Honour is something that is a code. And it's not a code because you learned it. You did learn it, but it flowed from the heart... And because it flowed from the heart, you observed it and watched it and you understood that there's something about honour that makes a way for you. There's something special about the way that honour opens up doors. I see it all the time. It gets me in places that people have not been. It, get, it opens doors that are like incredible. You just go, what is that? That's honour. There is a code of honour. I, You understand me about... Just, just try and get a hold of this. You do not recognize anyone. In, I, I can tell you about a person in the first 20 minutes of every conversation. I can tell you if a person has honor in their heart. By the way that they receive me, by the way that they listen, by the way that they accept, by the way of their behavior. Immediately. You just think about it. Think about people who you don't know who you meet. They come to you and they begin to talk or behave in a particular manner. Well, you can see what is in their heart in the first 20 minutes of every conversation by the way that they are in those 20 minutes. It's a code. Honour is a code. Of course, if you, if you meet someone and laugh at them, if you ridicule them, if you mock them in those first moments of being with them, well, you've lost a friend for life. 
Do you understand me? You've lost that relationship straight away because the honour was not there. There is a code of honour that is profound and gets you everywhere. Let's just... I, I, I told this story. I, I, was, I actually told it to Joshua first, but um, I remember reading a book one time about a billionaire who left five billion to his housekeeper. And the four children that he had, he left $100. Just think about that, though. So it's a true story. He left $5 billion to his housekeeper, and he left $100 to his four children. Why? And I remember reading that and saying to the Lord, why, Lord? Why would he do such a thing? And I felt the Lord said to me, honor has a smell. It has a fragrance. Just as dishonor has an odor. You can smell it with a person. It's interesting, isn't it? Why? Five billion. Do you know why you left them a hundred dollars each? So they couldn't contest the will and couldn't take him a car. Presume well, he were dead, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't worry about it, would he? <laughs> but uh, honor has a fragrance, a sound, a beauty that is unique. Dishonor disqualifies, dishonor destroys, and dishonor is contagious. It's contagious, it's like a disease. Honor is a seed, it's a law, and it's a decision. Honor your father and mother is tied to the promise of long life and living well. That's why it says it. So in Deuteronomy 5 verse 16, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God give thee. That's amazing, isn't it? So, so it's something to do with a prolonged life. It's something to do with a prosperous life, according to Deuteronomy. But I want to talk about the prodigal son because this, this parable, I have been reading it for years and years and years and every time I read it, something just happens. There's something about this parable that is so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, and I know that we've looked at it before, but we're going to carry on looking at it a little bit more. So, it's Luke 15, for those who are looking, and verse 11. And I'm not going to read it all because I presume that everybody knows the parable of the prodigal son, as it's called. But this is not really, this is not really a parable about a prodigal son. In fact, there's two prodigal sons. There's two of them. It's just that one of them lives at home with his dad. The other one decided to go and spend everything that he earned before, or everything that was his inheritance before... It was ever time for his inheritance. So both of them are sons. Because, you see, you're all adopted as sons. Everyone's adopted as a son. Before the foundation of the world, God saw you and went, I want you. 
I am going to set you apart. I am going to love you. This is my will for you. There is no doubt about the will of God. God does not want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be with him. And he has already decided in his heart and in his mind that you are predetermined to be adopted as a son. It's a beautiful thing. It says it in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5. You all know it, don't you? So everyone's a son. Amen? The enemy... The devil has no sons because the devil cannot create anything. He's not a creator. God's the creator. The only way that the devil has sons is because he he reproduces the way that he is internally and speaks lies to other people, to us, so that we will believe those. So we become like him. Because we believe liars, we, we believe the lies that are spoken, and then we become like he is. We become a liar. And we deny the truth. That's what happens with us. So, the prodigal sons, this this parable is really about a loving father who is so loving. and, And this is the amazing thing about this father. This father, so Jesus is telling a parable about his father in heaven. Do you understand me? Because everyone that's around him sees the Father as being a long way away. God is a long way away. He's not interested with our, with, with our lives. He, he, don't, he don't care about us. He's a long way away. We just give this religious stuff, and, and that's, that's what we do. And Jesus and the Father went, no, no, this is not what you do. I'm going to send Jesus so that you can actually see who I am. Listen, listen to me. Jesus is the Word. He is the Word. And He is the real Word about who God is. You understand me? The book, I know it's a beautiful book, and it is a beautiful book, but the book is a book written by men and women. It's a book. Not everything in every book is true. Listen. Everyone goes, this is the Word of God. I want to tell you, it's full of the words of men. It's full of the deeds of men. It's full of the things that men have done, not God. God didn't do half of what you've read in there. It wasn't God's fault. We just blame him because we go, well, it's the word of God. It's what he says. No, listen. Men and women, moved by their own selves, offered their own sons and daughters on fire. Was that God? God went, it was not even in my mind. Anywhere. Listen to this. Israel, his own nation, Offered their own children on the fire. As though it was some kind of, something that in some way might please God. Had nothing to do with God. Nothing whatsoever. Much of what you read is nothing to do with the heart of God. And when you read the commandments of Moses, Moses had a revelation that was at best a shadow of everything that Jesus is. Do you understand me? Moses came with a lot of laws because there was a nation that was raised up that was meant to be this nation among all nations that was the best nation ever. It was meant to sparkle. It was meant to show how good, not how good, because how holy God really was, how powerful God was. Do you understand me? That's why the Old Testament was written full of laws and regulations. 
It was nothing to do with God. God is not a God of regulations. God is not a God of regulations. God is a God. Jesus went, listen, I want to tell you a parable. Who's the parable about? It's about the Father. It's about the Father. This is how the Father is. Jesus went, I want you to get this. Because for years and years and years, for thousands of years, you've all thought that God's this God long away. Who doesn't listen to us, who doesn't care about us, but I want to tell you he's completely different. And then he said, listen to a parable. He said the father had two sons. And the one son was wayward because he wanted to get all his inheritance, as you well know. He wanted to get all his inheritance and spend it all. He wanted to live. Oh, it's warm, isn't it? Flipping heck. Think what it's like for me. You're sweating just sat down. It's like being in Africa. Huh? So the prodigal son went and wasted everything that the father had given him on all sorts of living. That's what he did. Well, listen, everyone goes, oh, naughty, naughty boy. I want to tell you, at least least the lad wanted to do something. At least he had something that was moving him to go and do something. It might have been wrong and it might have been misled, but at least there was something in him that was going, hey, I want to live life. Do you understand me? When when we look at people and we go, oh, you know, they're addicted to this and they're addicted to that and they've got an addiction to that, do you know what really they're looking for? Inside them is a screen that is going, I know that God created me to live life and what I am living is not life. I want something that inside I am screaming for. And we go, what are you doing? You're you're addicted to drink, you're addicted to the sex, you're addicted to this, you're addicted to that. Yeah, but inside, people are screaming to live. And what do we give them? When when, when they come to the church, what do we give them? No, I don't mean, I mean generally, what do we give them? We give them more rules and regulations. No, listen, people want to live life. People want to experience what it means to flow in the flow. Isn't that what you said this morning, Phil? To flow in the flow. We just want to flow in the flow. We want to find this life. Because it's like a stream. It's like a river. It flows from God. And it flows to us. It flows in us. And it flows through us. It's a dance. It's a romance. It's not some stodgy old religious life. My God, you need to kill that thing. You need to kill it. You need to jump all over it. When you're dancing to Jesus, you need to see that stodgy old religious life and damp, jump all over it until it screams on the inside. Because I tell you, there's something in us that is so... And I see it, I go, oh God, please forgive me if I've been preaching something that is not right. If I have been showing a God that is not the God that you really are. Because you are an amazing father. You are so amazing. I mean, listen to this. So... The one son goes away, he spends all his stuff. When, he, when, he, when he's had enough and he's got his fill, he's got no more money left, he's got nothing left. And now in his mind he's going, this is what I need to serve the father. I need to go back because the servants have got it better than I have. I've wasted everything, I've lived, it's been a mess. I, I know a little bit about this. I've lived, it's been a mess, it's rubbish. 
I need to go back to my father. And he's, he's, he's beginning to find out what he's going to say to the father and all the rest of it. So that's going on there. Now there's another son. And we go, well, that son's fine. No, that son, he won't find all. Man, he was in the house and he was as miserable as sin. Because what's he doing? He's serving. He's just serving and serving and serving. He's, but he didn't understand his dad. He didn't get his dad. He thought that he, in order to please his dad, he had to serve. But his dad gives it all away. He says, son, no. No, you got it all wrong. You're always with me. You've always been with me. Everything that I have is yours. You could have had a party any day you wanted. We could have had a celebration yesterday, the day before, the day before that. Every day, right up to this day, we could have had it because it all belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. You're in my house, but you don't really enjoy it. You've got everything, but you don't really enjoy it. You, you live with a servant mentality that just doesn't grow up, and you still carry on serving and serving and serving, but you don't realize that I love you so much. I've got all this, and it's all for you. So we've got two sons, both of them are prodigals. My Lord. You understand me? The thing about servant, of course, there are many people who have learned. You see, this is what happened. We learn that God is like the oven. As we grew up, we learned that God is like the oven. We looked at Mama. You know, if you go to Italy, this is where I got this one from. But you, 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 looked at, you can look at Mama in Italy and you can see that she's there in the kitchen making this beautiful stuff. All the kids are looking at her. All the fellas are looking at her as well. As if they didn't have a pair of arms. But anyway... There we go. It's true, isn't it? And everyone's looking at Mama and she's making these beautiful things that come out of the oven. It's just the oven's making beautiful things. It's a glorious thing, the oven, when it's used in the right way. You see, a lot of us learnt, have learned to know God like that. Well, he's a glorious thing as long as we use him in the right way because we know that he's an all-consuming fire. We know that he's really nasty somewhere, even though he might keep it covered. And even though we've heard the New Testament, even though we've got the New Covenant, we still think that under there, he's a little bit nasty. But Jesus went... <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he really did. He just went, hey, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. Really? He just went, it's rubbish. Everything that you thought about God, well, here I am to tell you what's really God. You see him healing the sick and delivering people. You see him eating with sinners, he's having meals. <gasps> oh, it's dangerous to get there. Oh, get over it. Life's dangerous, isn't it? Huh? Life's dangerous. Celebrating's dangerous. I mean, you could have one tipple too much, couldn't you? Huh? <laughs> I'll be repenting for years. What? Come on, give yourself a break. What is that stuff? Where did it even come from? Huh? That wants to keep you in bondage. And, and I'm, please understand, you know me well enough. I'm not saying go out and do this and that. And I'm not saying any of those things. You know me well enough. So if you hear that, that's you wanting to hear it. Isn't it? That's you wanting to hear it. I'm not saying that. But listen, I am saying, before you can really... Before you can really understand God, 
you've got to get a new glimpse of who he is. He's an incredible father. So this is what the father's doing. So he's got two sons. One's unhappy at home. The other's unhappy not at home. They're both unhappy, basically. And the father's going, what in all the world? What's up with my kids? Don't they know it's all for them? Don't they know that everything that I did, it's all for them? Don't they get it? What are they like? Don't, don't they understand that everything in the house is for them? I've created everything for them. Or everything belongs to them. Everything's yours. <gasps> Every time we say things like that, ooh, everything's permissible, everything's yours. Ooh, come on, get over it. Get over it. Grow up. You got, we've all got to grow up somewhere. And go, you know what? The father loves it. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to upset you in a minute. I know I'm going to upset you. You're going to get upset by what I'm going to say. But you need to be upset. Really. Because if you don't get this, you need to be upset. So this is the father. The father, every day, is going to the gate. Every day, he's going to the end of the road, and he's looking for his son, who is afar off. But every day, his heart's going... Where's my boy? Where is he? Every day his heart's going out to his son. And every day he goes to look. And then it says that on that day when, when, when the brother came back, when the prodigal son came back, do, do you remember what it says? Every time I think about this, it, it just breaks my heart. It says the father's looking for him and he sees him. And the father runs to him. The father runs to him. It's not the other way around. Listen to me. The father runs to his son who's, who's wasted everything. You understand me? He's, he's, given every, he's, he's lost everything. The father's lost everything to the son. But the father's not even concerned about it. Because he owns everything. He's got everything. And he's looking for his son and he sees him and he begins to sprint to his son. And, and, and the son, the son is going, oh, what have I got to do? What have I got to do? I know what I've got to do. I've, I've got to come back. I've got to fall on my face. And I've got to say, Father, I am not worthy. Forgive me. I see that the servants have more. So he's got it all rehearsed in his mind. It's his little repentance speech. He's got it all rehearsed in his mind. He's, he's running to the altar. He's going to throw himself on the floor and he knows exactly what he's going to say. But you know what? His dad didn't even bother. I am absolutely sure that his dad is not even bothered about what he's about to say or anything that he does say. I'm absolutely certain about it. I don't think he even cares about it. That's how far I've come. Because, you see, when, when, when you're someone like me who's learned in classical theology... You believe that in order for God to be a good God, you must do something good. But it's all rubbish. None of it is true. Do you understand me? You want to do anything good at all. If you had to do anything good, you wouldn't even be saved. You, you wouldn't even know the Father. Nothing of this is to do with you other than you said yes. And when you said yes, it's because in his grace there was some faith that popped up and gave you the ability to say yes. Where did that faith come from? It came from God. Where did that grace come from? It came from God. 
Where did everything come from? It came from God. You've got to get over this. They're in. Please understand me. You have to understand that in order to live life, you have to give yourself up. That's what you have to understand. You have to understand that you've tried to do it all yourself and it's, it doesn't work. Some Christians are still trying to do it all themselves. But the whole point is, no, stop that. It's nonsense. Stop it. You can't do anything yourself. The whole point of the gospel is that you need him. And without him, you can do nothing. So stop trying to be good. Goody two-shoes. Stop it. Die. No, listen. Th those thoughts right in your brain now, you know, because I can, I can tell I've had them all myself. I can tell. They come like little rats out of the sewers. Honestly, honestly. They come like rats out of the sewers. And you, you go, but this is the truth about grace. How... Listen to me now. How often would the father have done that for his son? Did Jesus not tell this parable? He said, or he just said it, I don't know if it was a parable or what it was, but he said, if someone sins against you, you have to forgive them. How many times, Lord, do we have to forgive them? How long have you got? How long have you got? Was it 77 times 7? Some. What, what Jesus really meant was again and again and again and again and again and again and again. How many times did I go and get that? How big is his grace? How big is his grace? You go, yeah, no, but if he, surely if someone reforms, this is, this is the problem with the church. Oh, it drives me crazy. I've lost people because of this. They sit and they judge and they go, you know what? If they don't change their lives and become like we are, we're going to leave this church. And we've actually had people leave this church who did exactly that. If they don't change their lives to become like we are, then we are leaving. Okay, see you. See you. Because it's not part of the deal. This is what we don't get, you see. We kind of go, no, no, you have to change, no, no. And we've talked about it so many times. Because what's going to happen? What if no one changes? Well, hey, it's not my issue. It's not my issue. If God's around, God will change them. But even if it doesn't happen, it's not my issue. Is it? Isn't it the grace of God that made you the person that you are right now? Isn't it? It's the grace of God, isn't it? And of course, the faith that you've got, well, that's the gift of faith that he put. But his grace comes to you, no matter if you use that faith. Listen to me again. And this is really annoying to me. No, it's really annoying because I want to see some, you, you understand me, I'm one of those people that goes, I want to see some change because that's what I know in my own life. God got a hold of me and he changed me. And he changed me because I got hold of the faith inside that he had given to me and I went, Jesus, I want to be different. But what if a person doesn't do that? What if they sit in this house all the time and never, ever do that? Well, I've got to keep forgiving. I've got to keep loving. I've got to keep reaching out. You understand me? Part of me goes, part of my classical theology brain. And those that don't have it, wow, it's beautiful. 
you never want it. But part of my classical theology brain goes, you know, but somewhere, 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 something must happen, Paul. Something's got to change. You can't just say anyone could. Yeah, no, I can. I can. Because God's grace is incredible. It is immeasurable. Do you understand me? God's grace is not like your grace. His love's not like your love. God keeps on being gracious and loving all the time. Do I like it? I'm not sure there's part of my reformed inside that goes, Paul, I don't even know, like, I don't even know that you like what you're speaking. Well, I don't because I like people to change. I like to see the change. You understand me? And I believe that in that same grace comes a faith that we can reach out to God and we can become the people that we're really meant to be. And that is always what we will stand for in this house. But listen to me. We must get to this point where we are looking at people and going, you know what? This son has been out there, done all sorts of things. This daughter has been out there and done all sorts of things. But you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to run up the road. What, 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 does it, what is it that God says? God, God goes, hey, so his son's got all his beautiful words rehearsed. And he goes, Father, Father, forgive me for I have sinned against you. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's, that's soothing to the classical theology heart. There you go, he's doing something. Listen to me. He's only doing it because he understands the love of the Father. That's why he's doing it. But no matter what, the Father goes, shush, son, come on, come on. This is what we're going to do. Get the best robe. Get the biggest fatted calf. Bring out that best ring. And get those very best sandals that we've got. Get them all. Everything that is the best. And you understand, everything talked about his identity. Everything. He said, go and get all those. Put them on. Because you know what? Every day that you were away, I was waiting for a celebration. I was waiting for the dance. I was waiting to get a hold of you and wrap my arms around you and kiss you until you went, no more, Dad, no more. I can't stand it anymore. No, but you understand me. That's what the Father's heart is. And Jesus was going, don't, don't you get it? The, fa the Father's not far off. He's so close. He's with us. He sees us. He loves us. He's for us. 77 times 7. Wow. In other words, again and again. Don't matter. We can't keep putting things on people. And of course, we've, met, we've made it our very best attempt to go, we're not putting anything on anyone. Everything is your choice. But somehow, this love, let's just read it. Uh, verse, verse 29. Is it 29? Oh, no, no, it's not. It's verse... Um, and the son said to him, verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. All the right words. But the father said, do you get it? But the father said, it's like, no, he, he, knows what he's, he knows what he's got to say. But the father said. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandal on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he is lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They began to be merry. They began to be rejoicing. Something happened on the inside of them. They started going, isn't it wonderful? They're back. You've you got to get the picture there. Just, just, just pray with me right now. Let's, let's pray together. Father, I just ask right now. And Lord, I can't tell this as you can tell it. I can't, I can't. I haven't got the words or the expression, Father, to be able to describe what I know happened in that parable. And what I believe you were saying, Jesus, about the Father's heart. But Lord, I, I want everyone to know, Father, everyone in this house and all, all, all the families and all the people that we know, Father, that, that you have not given up for a moment. Never. Not on anyone. And, and Father, where we get it wrong, Lord. And let's say we're like the prodigal again and again. Father, you never give up. You never stop, Lord. Your grace is the same again and again and again and again and it keeps increasing and it keeps flowing, Lord. You were just the same always, Father. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that we would catch it, Lord, that we would catch in our hearts, Father, the grace that you give to us, Father. The grace, Lord, because sometimes even when things go wrong, Lord, we, we, we expect certain things, Father, and it doesn't happen. But Lord... We're asking that your grace, Lord, would catch us again, Father. Again and again and again. He'd catch us, Lord. That it'd just overtake us because you never stop, Lord. You never stop, Father, running out and beating us. Never. You never give up, Lord. Maybe that's all us, but you never stop. And Father, we, we, we want to know how you celebrate over us, Lord. We, we, want to, we want to hear that singing, Lord, that Phil talked about this morning. Lord, you delight over us. What, where is your delight, Father? Do you look at the creation? Do you look at the stars? No, you look at us, Lord. You look at us. And you see the glory of God in us. And you love us, Father. Your delight is in the sons of men, Father. I know it because it says it, Father. Your delight is in everybody in this room, Father. And I ask, Lord, that they would know it, Father. That they would know it and glow it and that it would flow out of them, Father. Lord, that they would just know that they are loved, Father, as your child, Jesus. Oh, and that you throw your arms around us, Jesus, and you kiss us and kiss us and kiss us, and you never stop kissing us, Lord. Father, you see how we kiss our kids and our grandkids, Lord. We can't help it. We look at them and we, we, we're just in love with them, Father. But that is just a little picture of how you are with us, Lord. You pick us up and you start dancing with us, Jesus that we've joined in this dance of life with you, Lord. And we say to you, Jesus, we know, Lord, that we get many things wrong, Lord. We acknowledge it, Father. But I know, Father, that bigger and greater than the acknowledgement, bigger and greater than anything that we've said or done ever, is your love and your grace to us, Father. And Lord, I ask that you would, it would be like a river, Father, that flows in us, because, Lord, we look around, and we go, there's many, Father, many hurting, many in difficulty, Father, many drowning, Lord. But we want to be there, Father, for them. We want to be there, Father. Help us, Lord. Fill us with compassion, Father. 
Fill us, Lord. Father, we ask again that you would fill this house with compassion, Father, for the sick, for those who are hurting, who need healing, Father, that you would fill us with compassion, Father. Lord, we know the faith stuff, Lord. We've, we, we, we've got that. We've heard it, Lord. But, Father, we need the compassion, Father. We need the mercy and the grace and the compassion to consume us, Lord, to consume us. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name, Lord, and I want to thank you, Father, for your love to us, to all of us, Lord. To all of us. Father, we say amen. We just reach out and we say amen, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Amen. Amen. Listen, listen to me, just, just as I finish off, because there was a whole other thing that I wanted to talk about as well, which just flowed into it, but I'm not going to talk about it. But listen. This parable, because really, really what I'm talking about is honor. This parable is, it's really a parable about the father who shows what it means to love and honor. Do you understand me? The father was showing his sons what it really means to love and to honor. That's what he was doing. You know, when he said... Get out the fight calf. Get, all, get, the, get the best robe. Come on, get all the good stuff out. Let's have a pie. He was showing them how to honor. But it wasn't really, it was a lesson that was hidden. All the best lessons are like lessons that you, the best lessons are the lessons where you have a submissive heart, a teachable spirit, and you're just going, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. All the best lessons come that way. Do you understand me? If, you, if you've got a heart like that, if you've got a spirit like that, you can receive many, many things. But if you am, then you've got a problem. That, that's where the problems come in. So, so we have to learn how to honor properly. And the next time that I speak I'll talk a little bit more about that but thank you and more than that thank, thank the father eh? for his grace and his honour and his love amen all of us father fill us with that fill us with it your grace and your honour amen couldn't, 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 couldn't have preached any longer